Okay, Daf The matmon, the hidden treasure of today, is between the lines. So let's look at the uh, at the Gemara and let's um, let's figure out. It's a little lighter, I think, today than the last few days. Um, and we have the case here of um, Abaya bar Avin and Rav Hananya bar Avin. Abaya and and Rav Hananya, both of them bar Avin, they were probably brothers. Tanu Trumus Bey Rabo. They learnt Masech to Trumus with, with Rabo. Can you imagine that? Imagine learning Masech to Trumus with none other than Rabo himself. That's what they did. Pogabuhu Rava Bar Masna. Rava Bar Masna bumped into them. He met them in the road. Omaluhu, he said to them, My Amrisu Bitruma de Beymar. You've just learnt Truma in the house of, well, you've learnt Truma in the, in the base of Medrash of, uh, uh, of Rabo. What what emerged? What chidushim? What came out of that of that limud? Omrulei my kashiach. Look, you think we we're going to repeat to you standing on one leg at the at the street corner? We're going to compete to you. Come, we're going to repeat to you what we learned from Rabbi. That's not going to happen. What are you struggling with? Give give us a question in Trumas, and we'll tell you what Rabbi taught us in Trumas. Omaluhu. So he said to them, Tznan. Shesil in the ninth paragraph of Trumas, Shesile Trumas, Shinitmu Ushatalon, Tahuri Milatame, Vasuri Melecha. So if you have Truma, which, like a cabbage or a lettuce, that became Tome, and you plant it in the ground, usually planting in the ground is Metahe. We'll talk about that in a moment. Tahuri Milatame, that, that cabbage can no longer cause something else to become Tome. But you can't eat it. And they, so they ask him, he, he, they ask, or he asks the Abaya Bar Avin and Rav Hananya Bar Avin, I've always wondered if you're not allowed to, if they're not metame, that means they don't carry with them anymore the power of Tumo, why can't you eat them? The Gemara goes into a quite a lengthy discussion. Starts of saying it means that it's nobody can eat them. They're still truma, even though they've been planted. They're still truma. And then we come around and we say, no, it's really talking about a koyin. It's not that they're still truma; it's that they're still tome. And then we go into the question of what is the nature of that tuma, and we say it's because of hesachadas, the truma which has not been in the in the koyin's mind. He hasn't been watching it and being attentive to it because there's a. Uh, there's a ushmartem, you've got to be careful with truma, and if you weren't careful with truma, it becomes tome. And the Gemara goes on, does that mean that the, it's just because we don't know what's attached to truma? We're lacking information, in which case if we get information that it's fine, nothing's come anywhere near it, then it would be okay. Or does does the abandonment of attention actually damage the status of tara of the truma? And they go into a whole thing about that. Um, and eventually, Kisalik Rabin, when Rabin came to Eretz Yisrael from Bovel. So what we'll be talking about today is this relationship between Eretz Yisrael and Bovel, and it links into the Maharal that we learned yesterday. Um, so when Rabin, Rabin was one of these people that used to travel backwards and forwards from Bovel to Yisrael, we've had mention of him before. So he's very important in that interface. And Rabbi Yirmiya was a, a, a great tanner who was born in Bovel and emigrated to Yisrael. He went on Aliyah, 
And then he lived in Eretz Yisrael, and he learned in the base Medrash of Rabbi Yochanan, with the Talmudim of Rabbi Yochanan. Um, and he was very sharp. Rabbi Yirmiya was known to be extremely sharp uh, with his tongue. Omar, and he said when they told him this whole story of the, of the Shtile Truma, of these, this Truma cabbage that you've planted in the ground, and it remains also to eat, but it doesn't cause Truma to anything else. Bavloi tipshoi, what stupid Babylonian people you are. Because you live in a dark country, you talk dark nonsense. That's basically what he says. This is, he's talking to, to Amiro and he's talking to, to, to very great people. Have you not heard of, of the din of Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish that he said in the name of Rabbi Yoshaya, which one can apply here? And then he goes into an interesting idea of, um, so, so we have a, the, the idea of zriya. The, the word zriya is interesting, and he seems to play on the, on the words. Zriya means planting. You plant something in the ground. But zriya also is a din in mikvos. So if you take maim shuvim, if you take regular tap water, and you immerse it in a mikveh, that tap water becomes mikveh water. It's one of the things we use till this day. It's one of the ways that we actually are, we kosher a mikveh. We make a mikveh water kosher because clearly it's not all rain water. We change the mikveh water every day. So what, what, what are we doing? There are various different forms of, of kashering that water, of making that water may mikveh. One of them is called zriya. And zriya that comes from the word planting. And we see that even though this immersion of normal water in mikveh water makes it transforms the, 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 the ordinary water into mikveh water. In the Beis HaMikdash, that doesn't work. So he, he teaches, Resh Lokish teaches in the name of Rabbi Yoshaya, that in the case of the Beis HaMikdash, Milo Osu Bekodshim, they, get, they added some particular, particularly stringent halochas that normally would work, but in the Beis HaMikdash they've said no. This, won't be, this is not good enough in the base of Mikdash. In the same way, it says by Truma, although technically this cabbage that you planted is fine, uh, there's Milo also with Truma. They made, they've made Truma more special and, the, and it doesn't work. This idea of, of Zriya, so what, what is the connection? Is it just because the same word is used, Zriya in Mikvos and Zriya, you plant the cabbage in the ground, what's the difference? So I think what we've got to understand is think of Zriya as immersion. So you, immer you immerse a seed into the ground. And, and Zriya, in the case of mikvah, also you immerse the mayim shuvim, this tap water, you immerse into the mikvah water. But it's an Im immersion creates transformation. When you immerse something, and it's a, it's a very important principle, not just in, here in, in agriculture and in mikvahs, it's an important principle in life, that you, when you immerse, you transform. You don't transform by tampering with something, by dabbling at something. That doesn't cause transformation. The only time you transform is when you immerse. You take a seed and you immerse it in the ground. It transforms. It becomes a tree. It becomes something else. It becomes something different. You take something which is tome and you immerse it in the ground. It becomes something different. It loses its tumor. You take mayim shuvim and you immerse it in mei mikveh. It transforms. It's no longer... That's the power of immersion. And it's the same as Torah. We say Torah is like, wa like water as well. So if you immerse yourself in Torah, you can transform yourself. That's a transformative pro process. 
And whether one immerses oneself in Torah for years, like Rabbi Akiva, or somebody goes to yeshiva and really immerses themselves in Torah for years, that's transformational. Um, or just for a few minutes, or an hour, or half an hour, whatever it is, you really immerse yourself in the Torah so that you are completely enveloped by Torah. Torah masters you. By, by you mastering Torah, you don't transform. When you're mastering Torah, you learn some information. But when you immerse yourself in Torah, that you are mastered by the Torah, that's transformational. So this idea of Zriya, which we see both in Mikvos and in agriculture, think of Zriya as the transformation that occurs when you immerse. And, and both of them are, are immersion examples. But I want to talk briefly about his sharp comment about, the, about Bovel, that this land of darkness. Rashi says Bovel Amukha because Bovel is in a, a valley. So there's not a lot of sunshine. So it's like the Scandinavian countries. So you know, there haven't been a, a fortune of Tamidi Chachomim who've come from Scandinavia. So Bovel is a little bit like that. It's dark all the time. The weather's miserable. You hardly see the sunshine. It's not the weather's miserable. It's in the Middle East, but, but still it's, it's in a valley, so you don't see much sunshine. And it makes you think in a, in a, in a dark way. You need light. You need brightness to be able to, to, be able to think clearly. Uh, that's how Rashi learns. Um, but I think based on what we said yesterday from the Maharal, we can understand it a little, bit, a little bit differently. What did we say yesterday? The difference between Eretz Yisrael and Chutzot, the culture of a place, the atmosphere of a place, in, affects the way you think. It affects your being. It affects your character. It affects your development as a human being. And we said the character of Eretz Yisrael is people value authenticity. They value you as you are. You don't have to put on a show. You as yours, that's how it says. Israel has always been that way. And in Chutzlar, it's the packaging is important. You as you appear, you as you present yourself is important. That's what we learned yesterday with the, with the Maral. This idea of an Aroch Hashucho is a, a culture that puts the emphasis on what, how you appear, blocks out the light of your inner authenticity. If you're always portraying an image, who you really are doesn't come out easily. You're just dealing with the image, you're dealing with the person's position and their status and their... But who's the person? Who's the real person? And it's easier to see, even today, it's easier to see that in Eretz Yisrael than it is in Kutzlach. You go to England or you go to the United States. Who's the real person? It's very hard to see the person. There are so many layers and layers and layers of cultural norms and of the way people present themselves and their image and the way they function, that you don't know who's underneath it. It's hard to get there. It's, it's Israel people are, are, are more comfortable with their authenticity and you can see it more clearly. Says the, uh, says the uh, uh, Rabbi Yirmiya, as Rashi explains it, what is this darkness in Bovel? When they don't have an authentic reason for something that they've heard from a reliable place, they make up reasons. They give, they give opinions like we do today. A person has an opinion as to what something means. Everybody's giving divrei Torah. Everybody's saying a vort. You see, Philip, there's the idea of the vort. Everybody's saying a vort. Where does the vort come from? Well, they heard it. They thought it. But it's not worked out from the Torah. And that's what Rabbi Yumi is critical of. You've come with a nice vort about, about the shtile truma, about these truma cabbages. But you haven't got a source for it. You don't really understand it. So why are you saying things that you don't know? That's the darkness because when it's all about the way you appear, you can't say, I don't know. You've got to have something to say. You've got to have a vort. So you say a vort. And Rabbi Yumi is very critical about that. 
Now, even though it's critical about the Turin in Bovel, we know that the, that the Bavli is, is what we use for Psach even though the Yerushalmi in some ways is greater and purer and has more Kedusha than the Bavli, but the Bavli is what we use. And the reason for that, the Rashbor says, and, and, and others, the Chazanish was very strong on this, is not so much because of the, the Bavli. We can't think of the Gomorrah finishing um, 1,400 years ago or 1,500 years ago when Ravina Ravashi signed off on it. That wasn't when the Talmud Bavli ended. The Talmud Bavli still hasn't ended. We're, being, we're writing and being Mechadish. All the Rishonim talked about the Talmud Bavli. All the Poskim used the Talmud Bavli. The Rambam and everybody who wrote on the Rambam used the Talmud Bavli. All the Acharonim used the Talmud Bavli. So the body of work in the Talmud Bavli, the Talmud Bavli has been used and tested and questioned and, and probed and in, in such a way over the last one and a half thousand years that the Talmud Bavli, with everything that goes with it, is our most reliable source of, of halacha, because it's been so tested. The Yerushalmi isn't learned as much as the Rashbo. And so there are mistakes in it that haven't been discovered. There are errors, there are inaccuracies in the Bavli, because it's been tested and tested and tested so much over the years. It's the most reliable source of our Torah Shabbat pair. And therefore, it's not, our business is not which was the better. Was it Bavli? Was it Yerushalmi? Is the Gemara What's important is today... After one and a half thousand years of learning Bavli, Bavli is the authority, not the Yerushalmi.